Mm-hmm. And if you don't burn everything down, that doesn't mean that you're weak because of that. That doesn't mean that you are then going to be the one that's going to be hurt, mm-hmm. or it doesn't mean that that other people are now going to take advantage of you. It just means that you are allowing yourself to release that need to fix everything. And you're also allowing yourself to recognize that there are multiple ways of existing in this world and that it doesn't have to be all your way. I'm Kim. And I'm Camille, and this is Enneagram for the Culture, where two dope Black therapists discuss how therapy, Blackness, and the Enneagram come together. You do that flawlessly. You've like never, ever, ever fumbled it. We've never had to go back and be like, oh, we got to do that again. I think the first few times we did, I don't think but so. then we got into a groove. <sighs> how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. I'm good. Yeah? I'm a little bit nervous. Oh, nervous. Yeah, I know, this is our, why are you nervous? Yeah, because of what you're about to say. This is our first deep dive mm-hmm. of season two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it feels like different from season one because it is. And so, you know, I want us to like kill it. <laughs> so, uh, probably put a lot of pressure on myself. But I'm excited. Well, I'm hopeful and I believe that we're going to kill it. Of course. Yes. We're going to have fun. Yes, we will have fun. All right. So how did the Enneagram show up for you? Well, I, um, on Instagram right now, there has been a pretty big little trend where people can send in anonymous questions to people Uh and then they answer them. Uh Uh-huh. And I love it because I get to ask people questions already. There's those ask me anything where people just like, are like, ask me anything. And you can type in whatever question you want. And those are not anonymous. And then these are anonymous. I don't care if it's anonymous because I don't need to hide behind anything. But whenever there's an ask me anything, I'm not asking anything. I'm not asking anything scandalous. Whenever there's an ask me anything, Kim, you best believe. I like send in the person like three questions. I'm like, here, like here, here's some questions I have. Um, and I love it. And I just love being able to ask people questions and get their answers. Um, and that's all. That's that's how it showed up is that I just love questions and like my curiosity of wanting to know more about the person or what they think about something. Mm-hmm. So anybody that's listening, if you do an ask me anything and I follow you, I'll probably, I'll probably submit some questions for you to answer. Okay. You can always count on me to, to ask you some questions. And good questions at that. And so it makes sense why your questions are so good because you have such an appreciation for them. I do love questions. Mm-hmm. Um, you're good yeah. At, you're good at them. Like one of them. my, one of the questions I asked a, a friend was um, she has really, her hair is just like big and like just always looks amazing. And, um, I asked her if her hair had a name and a personality, what would it be? Uh And she answered, and she was like, I never thought about this, but she immediately had an answer. Uh She like knew, Uh um, I thought that was a fun question. Were you good at quite like, did you ask really good questions when you were young? Yeah. Yeah. And in eighth grade, 
I won the science award, not because I was good at science. I was fine at science. I was decent at science. But the reason why I won and the teacher had to write a little thing about who this award was for. And so he got up there to start talking. I was like, 100 percent. It's not me. I'm not that great at science. But the whole thing was about in science, you have to be curious Mm -hmm. and you have to ask questions. Mm -hmm. And this student never fails to not ask questions about the process or whatever. And it was me, Camille Logan. And I was like, what? That's awesome. I know. Yeah. I'm going to ask a question. Was this like a public thing? Did you have to like walk up and get something? Yeah. Oh. It, was an eighth, it was the eighth grade like awards assembly. You remember? You yeah. Like had yeah. Those? I could see and eighth grade Camille being surprised. I was surprised. And I was really Plumping surprised. Plumping up there to get your award. Uh-huh. I kind of cleaned up, Kim. Like I like, I mean, <laughs> I've got a lot of awards and I didn't know that that was going to be the case. Like, so I was remember being like really surprised. I thought I wasn't going to get anything, but my name kept getting, get, kept getting called. And I had to go up there all the time to get all these awards. And then I got the science one and I was like, oh my gosh. It was a fun day. Mm-hmm. And my little memory bank of childhood was my eighth grade awards assembly. <laughs> so cute. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, so for you, how did the Enneagram show up for you? Yeah, um, I had a, well, honestly, today, the way it's shown up for me, um, we got like on our call, I was like, it's showing up for me right now. Um, we, my best friend invited me to um, an entrepreneurial um, conference at our church. Okay. And... It was amazing. It was amazing. It was just four hours or so, four and a half hours. So it wasn't an all day thing. Um, But it was really cool to hear other entrepreneurs just share their um, testimonies, their stories, their experiences. They offered lots and lots of really helpful advice. They had um, an attorney there to talk about copyright, trademark, um, intellectual property. Um, it was really, really cool. So how it showed up for me was I felt very, well, it first of all showed up because you were really excited about copyrights and trademarks and like people's success stories about their businesses. I feel like that's, that's on brand. Yeah. Okay. That's not what I was going to say. I mean, so yeah, the fact that I'm even there, maybe, um, so I was, I felt really, really seen. Like I felt like I was in the right space because hearing some of these um, folks share how they think and how they, the word that kept being used was like just being visionaries, being able to see things. Um, I feel that so much, like all the time, like I can be like having a conversation. It's part of how this podcast came to be, right? It's like, I can kind of see, um, where there's a need and I'm always like, you know, well, we could do it. <laughs> yes. Let's do it. Yes. Um, but so th- that, and then also having to manage, there was definitely, I'm getting all of these ideas while, while I'm listening to these folks, right. All of these ideas. So it's being able to manage that um, is how I noticed it showed up for me. Like it was almost like a, it started to feel not necessarily good for me 
Mm. like an, um, like an anxiousness. Um, I think in some ways, some of what I was hearing also caused me to pay attention to where I'm not yet. And so mm-hmm. it's like managing that. How do I, how, how can I be in a space like this and just, you know, be maybe motivated or inspired um, and not necessarily feeling anxious about where I'm not yet. Like being yeah. able to appreciate that you're always gonna have more to do or there's always gonna mm-hmm. be more opportunities for you to grow. One of mm-hmm. the, the keynote speaker, he was actually speaking to that, you know, with the way a lot of entrepreneurs think it's like you get to the next level and you think that you're going to be satisfied or that's going to be enough, but that never really happens. You always kind of want to keep going. Yeah. Um, so how to, how to manage that. Yeah. So like I said, I had a lot of ideas. And then when I left, you know, I knew we were recording today. Um, and there was a lot more that I wanted to do before we met to record. And so then that felt really, I felt myself getting kind of like irritated, essentially with the fact that there just wasn't more time for me to do more. Um, but took some breaths and was honest with you about some of the stuff that I was thinking about when we got on our call and we came up with a plan and that helped. But I was just like, yeah, that three is, is it's pretty loud today. Wanted to keep going, wanted to just keep accomplishing and getting stuff done. So much stuff. Like one of my plants, like it was all of, I was seeing all of this stuff that I needed to do with the plant and stuff for Casey, making sure he was good. And I did do a lot of it, but I could just tell how I was feeling. Like I was, it wasn't, I was feeling not at ease. And Mm. I've been feeling that a lot lately at ease. So it was much more obvious to me that I wasn't feeling that. Yeah, sometimes it's it's so interesting how to know that something's not right is when we can know that like, gosh, what did I feel like when things did feel right? And this feels different, like that contrast. And so you like you just said, I've been feeling at ease a lot lately and this felt not at ease. And so I was able to kind of like flag that and be like, ooh, what's going on? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Here we are. There will be more to accomplish. There'll be more things to do. And always sitting in that we can't do it all, all the time. No, I guess not. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Beyonce does. And it's just as much as the same amount of hours in her day as we do. I know, but I feel like that that message right there sometimes can feel kind of shaming. Like, oh, totally. But I just wanted to shout out Beyonce. That's fine. That's fair. I mean, I, she deserves all the shout outs. I'm not, I'm not saying she doesn't. No, I know. However, I could not be on the same level. I just can't. I'm just saying. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Speaking of levels and doing it all and intensity kind of fits for us and and talking about eights today. Yeah. All right. Yep. So I'm going to do a quick overview of eights. Um, and if you want a more thorough refresher, we encourage you to check us out. Season one, episode three, you can learn a lot more. But just briefly, as a reminder, eights are oftentimes referred to as our um, protectors. Um, they're motivated by um, 
feeling protected and protecting others. Um, they totally avoid feeling weak or powerless um, or vulnerable at times. Um, and so they are in the gut triad or the body triad along with types nine and one. And all three of these types share an emotional struggle with anger. So that's a little overview, a little reminder about our eights. We're going to flesh out a little bit more um, the holy idea, fixation, virtue, and passion. So I'll start with the idea. For type eight, it is truth. And so what this means is, and how this looks is for eights to be able to um, really accept that things can exist in their own way. Um, Camille is going to talk a little bit more about what a loss of this looks like, but um, remember with the holy idea, um, this is where we're not overly fixated with our type and we're much more tapped into um, our essence, um, our true like authentic selves who we are when we're not totally fixated and preoccupied with our type. And so when eights are able to be in this space, they're able to see things in a more um, gray way. <laughs> um, they can be more open and curious about what's true uh, versus when they are really, really like stuck in their type structure. It can look like believing that the only thing that can be true is their perspective. And so when they're tapped into this holy idea um, of truth, they're able to accept that other people have different perspectives and that can also be seen as the truth. It doesn't have to be their own way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when they lose sight of that, so when they are not tapped into that holy idea, um, it it shows up as their fixation, which is called revenge or vengeance. Um, and that state of being is really this ego-driven place of being the one that has to correct all the wrongs. Mm -hmm. And they do it in a way that's that vengeful or revengeful, revengeful or vengeful place of um, it is, I have to fix this and it's power over or against to try and correct it. Um, I think of, you know, a, a very much like a warrior, like someone coming in with a sword and we're going to switch this all up and change it all up. Um, and I'm the one that's going to right these wrongs. Um, and so that's what happens when they're not connected to that beautiful truth place of that things can exist in their own way. Mm -hmm. And so when eights are tapped into the holy idea, they exude um, a virtue and the virtue for eights is innocence. And this means that they're able to, again, kind of show up in a very curious way. Um, there's not this rigidity. There's not this judgment. Um, most folks who are in relationships with eights knows what it's like to experience their expectations. Um, and you don't, that's not so much there when they're really tapped into um, the virtue. There's an openness um, and they can kind of show up with this palms open gesture, which is, I think it's just, it's beautiful for many reasons. One, um, with this gesture, I think, you know, it kind of, it's, it's 
illustrating a surrender in a way. You know, we've been using this analogy of the bar and like really holding on to it tight and being um, able to associate that with the fixation. And so being able to let go, um, release, surrender, but also to um, be able to receive, you know, when your mm-hmm. palms are open. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that that's so incredibly necessary for all of us, but especially mm-hmm. again, for eights who, you know, um, can really be driven and determined to do and go into action to be able to be in a position where they don't have to be fixated on that and can also experience um, being poured into or supported or received. So, yeah. And when they're not tapped into, when they lose sight of that ability to have palms open or to have that curiosity, to have that place of openness, when they lose sight of that, what shows up is this passion, which is um, this, this lust. Um, and what we mean by lust, it doesn't mean for eights, it doesn't necessarily mean lust in like a sexual context. It means more of this desire for intensity, um, this, this need for craving more and more, um, and to be satisfied, their desires to be satisfied. Um, so with eights, right, they can really lean into this very intense place, um, bigger is better, more is more. Um, as a seven, I really relate to that. Um, and so sometimes even eights and sevens can look, that's where there's a little bit of an overlap is that, um, we can, we can fall into that place of intensity, um, of just wanting to kind of have it all and be for them. It's more about being in power a little bit, having a powerful, um, thing answered for them. So when we look at all of that stuff, right? So the truth is their holy idea. Vengeance is the fixation. The virtue is this place of innocence. And then when they lose that, that innocence, it can turn into this very, this need for lust. Um, how does that all show up for our black eights in particular? Mm-hmm. Um, and what would be the way that we can use all of that information as a guide for our black eights? What would we, how could they use it as a guide? Um, so the biggest thing that comes up is that when for black eights, it's this message around, Hey, it doesn't have to be you all the time. Um, it doesn't have to be your entire mission to fix and to correct everything, especially in a way that is that lustful, intense way of, um, I'm going to burn this shit down to the ground. Like it does not have to be. Um, that does not have to be the energy, um, all of the time. Mm-hmm. And if you don't burn everything down, that doesn't mean that you're weak because of that. That doesn't mean that you are then going to be the one that's going to be hurt, mm-hmm. or it doesn't mean that that other people are now going to take advantage of you. It just means that you are allowing yourself to release that need to fix everything. And you're also allowing yourself to recognize that there are multiple ways of existing in this world and that it doesn't have to be all your way. Mm -hmm. Um, That's tough though for black eights when it comes to like things like justice, I think, and things that are clearly wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that there becomes like a, it's just hard. It's hard to sometimes say like, okay, I'm going to let that go when it is something that is very angering. Um, and it can feel like this intense, like, well, I'm going to tell them or I'm going to fix them or I'm going to, I'm never going back to that place ever again. Um, 
because they did they did something wrong. And I get again for someone who exists in this world in a black body, like that's hard to let to let some things go. Right. Remember, we're talking about um, paradox this season, mm-hmm. and um, I love how Camille, you know, she'll refer to it like as like the trick of the number, you know. So when we're talking about this here with eights, what's what's driving that urge to, you know be the one to let them really have it, burn shit down, um, is this this desire for, again, for protection and for, you know, for wrongs to be made right. And so just to be able to realize that that's a trick <laughs> to think that it has to be you to do it in that way. Um, so again, when you can go back to some of these um, notions such as the holy idea and the virtue, when you're able to tap more into that, um, you're not as preoccupied with your type. And also at the same time, what it was that was driving you to try to get there, you get to experience it um, without the fixation. So um, for eights, kind of to build on what Camille is saying, the alternative doesn't have to be that you didn't then do nothing, you know, in some of these. Um, situations where you're able to recognize, okay, it doesn't have to be all me guns blazing <laughs> right now. Um, it could it could even just look like you maybe just planting a seed, you know, or leaving a breadcrumb. Again, going back to being able to be more in this gray space, things don't have to be so binary. It doesn't have to be, um, like Camille said, you do nothing and then um, possibly have to grapple with, you know, feeling like, you're weak or vulnerable, if it feels more comfortable to maybe find a small way to still um, speak up, say something, do something, consider that that's an option too. Mm-hmm. Hey, so a part of our hope is to really connect with you guys. So we want to know what you're getting from this and what you want to learn more about on this podcast. You can connect with Camille on Instagram at camille.logan.lc. MHC. And you can find Kim on Instagram at KreeseLCSW. And you can follow us both on Instagram at Enneagram for the Culture. We've dropped the links in the show notes, so check those out too. And while you're there, go ahead and bless us with a rating and a review. Subscribe so you can be notified when our new episodes drop weekly and share this with someone you know. We'll see you around. Yeah, I really, I really like that, right? Like it doesn't have to be this huge, intense moment um, and that you can do it in a small way. I, I think sometimes it's interesting, sometimes with therapy, um, you know, when clients are like, I don't, when the clients feel stuck and they're like, I don't know what to do. And they maybe just have two options. Sometimes that's almost an indicator like, no, 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 no. There's more than two options. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's like, what are some other ways that we can problem solve this? Um, and so there's different ways that I like to do that with clients, but, um, but that would be a, a good catch for eights is like, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. There might be another road that we can take. Um, and there's maybe alternate options to this situation. Yeah, for sure. Um, I love that you said that. I think, and, and, um, Chi Chi talks about this in her book mm-hmm. to just be aware of any time any of us are trying to subscribe to this singular narrative you know that it's just 
this one way, you know, so for AIDS, it could just be, you know what? No, they just got me effed up. That's it. That's all there is to it. Um, when it could be, you know, maybe they're having a bad day, you know, or maybe it was this, or maybe it could be a number of other things. It doesn't have to be just this one thing where they got you effed up. Um, and I think with that, like the reaction doesn't have to be just one way. And I find that a lot with my eight clients, the reaction is the one way of anger. The, The reaction is, well, then I'm burning it down you know, screw them. I'm never talking to them again. And that's the one option. And a lot of times, and we'll talk about this later, um, there's other stuff happening. The beautiful thing about AIDS, and we said this in the first season, is that they have a big heart and a low tolerance for bullshit. And you have to remember that AIDS have a big heart. And so sometimes when they are pissed and they want to burn something down, it's actually there's something else going on underneath that, that maybe there's a place of sadness or disappointment or frustration or hopelessness. And then we can tackle the problem from any of those options, as opposed to just tackling the problem from they pissed me off and I'm pissed. I'm mad. Um, So again, that like there's there, the truth can also mean that there's multiple feelings involved, not just anger, um, at the top of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If we are not cautious and intentional and careful and gracious with ourselves to try to like create more space for us to explore what it looks like for us to show up in a way that's not like fixated in Mm -hmm. type structure. Mm -hmm. Um, if we're always in that, um, look, this is just who I am. You know what I mean? So when somebody gets it wrong, when somebody crosses a boundary, when somebody does me wrong, this is just how this is, it is what it is. This is how I react. Um, operating from that place, y'all eights, black eights, that is stressful. And we have got to be able to do better about taking care of ourselves when it comes to stress. Because if you haven't noticed, things are not necessarily going to get a whole, the world is going to be the world. Life's going to keep on life in. That's Mm -hmm. not going to change regardless of how many times you listen to this podcast, how many books you read, how many times you see a therapist, coach, all of the things, have a relationship with God, all of that stuff the world is going to continue to be the world and do what it does. And so if we keep operating from that place, know how impactful that is um, on us as far as stress. And that's a whole nother tangent to get on, you know, how stress is impacting our bodies Mm -hmm. and our minds and our spirits. Mm -hmm. So uh, another benefit is to just, is to release the grip on that so that, um, it can just help us be less stressful. So again, it doesn't mean that the world won't keep being the world because it will, but the way we're able to navigate it, you know, again, perhaps we can be more curious, um, more open, um, have more of an innocence, more of a vulnerability. Uh, Camille and I were laughing about a Fresh Prince meme um, where um, the episode where Ashley I don't know what Ashley was doing. Maybe she was taking tennis lessons. I don't know what was going on with the tennis balls, but she's out on the patio and there's something going on with tennis balls and a machine and her and a racket and she's losing, okay? Like (laughs) tennis balls just flying at her. She's screaming. Uncle Phil swoops in, takes her back in the house and then out comes Will bouncing the tennis balls joyfully off of a pot. And so the mean part, you know, the first part is, you know, how I, used to handle stress 
Mm-hmm. Right. You're out there trying to hit all the balls, very rigid, drowning, screaming for help. Um, and then when Will comes out, it says how I currently handle stress. I think it was mm-hmm. for like a therapist page. Um, and so, yeah, for us to be able to, again, the balls are going to keep <laughs> keep coming at you. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way you handle them, I can make all the difference for us. And so yeah. to keep that in mind. And I loved when you were sharing that earlier today that like by you, the way you handle them, like she allowed herself to have Uncle Phil step in. So she got to be, have someone else come in and help her. Um, And eights, a lot of times we know that y'all feel like, God, there's no one to protect me. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes when you're the one out there hitting all the tennis balls all by yourself, yeah, you're not allowing someone else to come in and help. Um, And then the other part of that is then here comes Will being really joyful and having fun with it. Um, when we're out there, you know, slaying dragons every single day, all day, we don't have time to sit down and laugh and have fun because we're out here fighting this big fight. And again, it's good to fight a fight sometimes, but if that's all we're doing all the time, I want to sit down. Yeah. I want to have a drink. (laughs) I want to have a margarita. Yeah. Yeah. I want to laugh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of course. But again, right. The, that's the trick of that's the trick of the number, right? It has you believing that it has to be you. You got to be the one hitting all of these balls. But when you can just allow yourself to release, look at that. Somebody swoops in and protects you and looks out for you and you don't have to do anything but just release. And then somebody comes in behind you and make sure, you know, yeah. you get the balls. Yeah. And we can do yeah. it with a little bop too. <laughs> <laughs> I know he was. I know he was. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I want to go find it, go back and find that episode. I wonder what he was wearing. I know. Like his outfits were always like bright neon yeah. of the 90s. Um, and with that goes back to that truth of like things can exist in their own way. The truth of the matter is that like there's gonna be tennis balls. There that's the truth of it, and it's gonna happen that way. And so how do I tap into that without feeling like I have to control the truth? Um, yeah. And so with all that, right. Then the thing that I thought about was that there's this power struggle that sometimes happens for eights, um, because they feel like they're the ones that have to save the day. They're the ones that have to slay the dragons, hit all the tennis balls, all the analogies we've used, they can get into relationships, whether they're personal friendships, dating, marriages, their kids, work, where it's a power struggle and it's, it's, there's no backing down. And so then sometimes I find that some of my eight clients can stay longer in a stressful place because they want to conquer it. They want to be over it. Um, like, like on top of it, like, and, and be able to make sure that their will and their determination is what fixed the problem. And it's like, man, you're tired. Like you're tired and you don't have to be in a power struggle again, even if it's just work or in relationships, right? We see so many times, sometimes you're in a relationship with someone, you just be fighting, 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 fighting. It's like, no, this isn't, that ain't it. That's not it. We can walk away. Um, we don't have to change it or make it right all the time. Yeah. 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 I just, you know, you just mentioned exhaustion just a few, a few times. I just, just to highlight that, um, that that's, that ends up being the consequences. So it ends up being like with sacrifice, oftentimes, mm-hmm. like we, when you, when this power struggle is there, like you said, be it, um, in interpersonal relationships, 
your relationship with work, your relationship with yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, it can it can end yes. up, you know, robbing you from yes, like I said earlier, like a sense of ease or rest. Um, this came up with a client of mine who's who's um in eight and just being able to like permission to take time off. Mm-hmm. Um because mm-hmm. no, I have to be <laughs> I gotta be the one um who makes sure, you know, everybody stays on top of it and everything gets done. And so um that's that's a power struggle. And like you said a few times, are you tired? Yeah. Or I find that now that you're saying this again, it's opening up my mind to some of the times that I work with my eight clients that even their even their personal work can sometimes feel like a power struggle of like, I got to do better. This isn't changing. Oh, Why yeah. am I like this? Oh, I'm, yeah. And it's like, Hey, it's okay. You're tired. Or, Hey, it's okay. You were sad. Or, Hey, it's okay. That job was hard. Yep. And so sometimes I feel like as a therapist, I, a big job with my eights is really just validating and holding space and helping them to give themselves compassion. Um, because it can feel like even the work of why am I not changing fast enough? Um, is a power struggle yeah. and that that's tough. It is. And we all, we lo- I mean, I don't know if you, I am like this. I'm always like, let's get curious around that. Let's get curious. Let's get curious. And, um, that's something I say all the time in session. And so I feel like when we're so, um, uh, vengeful to ourselves or so shameful or angry towards ourselves, it doesn't leave room for us to be curious to go, well, why am, why do I do that? What is the story there? Where did this come from? Um, because we're so busy being like, I don't know why I don't wake up early every morning. <laughs> Maybe because you're tired. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We need to think of another solution to your bedtime routine. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that might be an option. <laughs> you're just shaking your head. <laughs> I am. So you're right. And that's a word. I, I find myself, my clients hear me say this all the time. If you can recognize that you have this critical tone going on, mm-hmm. try to shift it to a curious one. Mm-hmm. critical you want to shift to curiosity that's going to help that's going to just just help the way you're talking to yourself mm-hmm. um and so we'll practice that in session you know I love that. um literally you know it can be anything mm-hmm. this phone has a purple case like how do we observe this in a curious way versus a critical way um mm-hmm. practicing doing that because it can be so habitual mm-hmm. um for eights and a yeah. lot of us um types in the gut triad you know that um harsh um critical judgmental tone and so I love that you know the compassion um mm-hmm. when you are able to be more curious um and going back to um going more into like practical stuff for eight so mm-hmm. keep mind, this palms open gesture like even if you just make that a practice yes yes take a breath have your palms open and just kind of like visualize yourself receiving, you know, some compassion, <laughs> some grace, some curiosity juice. That's going to help you to shift your tone with yourself mm-hmm. or, you know, the situation and just be, um, be more curious. Yes, yes. That would be great just to sit. We, you know, both of us really love some body-based stuff. And so sometimes we, not sometimes, a lot of times our body reacts first before our thoughts. And so just sitting, honestly, I think that would be a great intervention every day for two minutes, just sit with your palms open and eights are probably like, wait, why? That sounds awful. <laughs> but <laughs> What's I going to 
do? What is that going to do? That's the point. Putting your body in that position and putting your body in that position of surrender of what, and then, and then let's get curious. Notice what happens when you sit there for two minutes and have your, what, what starts to bubble up? What questions, what frustrations, like, and then let's ride those waves and let us like be able to like tolerate that distress that we can now do that posture in our like more intangible ways, like in our relationships and all that kind of stuff. So Absolutely. And then I think with that, it also helps for eights to to do something like that helps to calm the immediate response. Eights are very um, reactive, um, very quick. Um, They can fix something real fast. And part of that's really great. And we, and there's places for that, but sometimes that can become um, the anger can just outburst or the I'm done with them can just be the first reaction. And so with four eights, practically allowing yourself literal space, um, that when you feel that, um, that anger bubble up really fast, like how can you step away for a second? You can always step into the bathroom. People aren't going to follow you. You can be like, I'm going to go to the bathroom real quick. And that's two minutes for you to stand in the bathroom and take some breaths. Um, there's bunches of feelings wheels that you can look up online on Google, or if you have a therapist, I'm sure they've already talked to you about a feelings wheel. Um, but being able to look at the feelings wheel and be able to be like, what else is happening here? What are my feelings? Um, and then there's also another image that a lot of therapists like it's called the anger iceberg. Um, and it's this idea that if you think about an iceberg on the top of the water, you just see some of the iceberg and underneath an iceberg, there's a lot of mass of ice And so the anger iceberg image that we use in therapy is that on the top of the water, you'll see anger, but underneath there might be all these other feelings that are happening. And so for eights, their immediate outward display is usually going to be anger. But if we can pause for a second, palms open, take a breath. I don't have to be the one to fix this. What's underneath all of that? Is there disappointment? Is there sadness? Is there frustration? Is there hopelessness? Is there a feeling of injustice and, and that some things feel fair? What else is underneath there for you to be able to identify so that we can actually like correct or work through that feeling in a different way rather than let me burn this shit down. Um, so anger iceberg, taking space, looking at a feelings wheel, just creating that pause. Yeah. Um, like I'm sure lots of eights are like you've already said, like, but why? <laughs> why take the time <laughs> to do all that? And like you've already said, the the emotions that are like beneath the waterline, um, that mass that Camille just described, um, that's real, that's where that's really where like there's wisdom in that. Mm-hmm. Um if you going back to the trick, right, of this number, um, or or of this type. If, if you keep only allowing yourself to go into action and it's filtered through anger as an emotion, um, you find yourself perpetually and again, habitually kind of, it's like a treadmill, like doing the same thing, but like not really um, getting anywhere. And all the while, like we said, probably pretty stressed out in the process. And so um, it's worth it. Um, and you may have to just kind of trust us and take our word for it a little bit, but it is worth it to do some type of work practice. Like she just offered a lot of really good ones to get grounded, to be able to um, practice like 
you know, being able to like self-regulate to some degree so that you can really be with yourself, um, be present with yourself long enough to, to get a sense of what else is going on for you emotionally. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. definitely worth it. You have, you've taught me that intervention about with people in their, their fingers, right? For eights. Can you explain that one? Yeah. Um, it's just, a. I think this is one that we got from one of the trainings we did together. Um, start with your thumb and pinky. Um, and just, you know, allowing yourself to feel that sensation of those two fingers rubbing together. And then you just go to the next finger, which would be your, like your ring finger. And then your middle finger. Mm-hmm. And then index finger. And then back to your middle finger. And you can just go up and down. And if you can manage to do this and kind of get in touch with your breath and maybe find a rhythm, mm-hmm. you're really grounding. I love an intervention that is secret. So like you can do this at your desk. No one knows what you're doing. Um, you can do this in your pocket. Again, no one knows what you're doing. You can do this when you're driving. Like it is, this is an intervention that you can take with you on the go that isn't going to be like something that's totally out of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and honesty time when you're doing this stuff again, just notice what comes up for you. Because for me, as we were just doing that, I was like, oh, she's going through the whole thing. Oh, this is taking a long time. Oh, we're really, okay. All right. We're not moving forward. Right. Like, and, and that was what was coming up for me personally, because I'm a, I'm a very forward action person. And so I get it. We all get it. But then just notice those questions of like, oh yeah, why was that uncomfortable for me? Because I'm, you know, worried that like people are not going to want to listen to this intervention, and but people probably actually really liked that. I hope they did. <laughs> so just when you're doing these interventions of like, yeah, like just it can be uncomfortable and just notice that and be curious instead of going, I didn't really go to a place of shame of like, come on, can you focus harder? Like, why can't you do this? It was just sort of like, oh, okay, this is uncomfortable for me. Um, this is different, but we're doing it. And then after a little bit, here's the beautiful thing about feelings. It's a wave. So there was a, there was discomfort at the top of that wave for me of like, why are we doing this? And by the end, I totally noticed my nervous system being like, oh, that's actually really nice. Oh, are we done? I was kind of liking that. So allow yourself that wave to happen because then we realize that like, okay, yeah, that, that wasn't horrible. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Well, just to stretch you a little bit more, one more that I've learned since in this, um, this is uh, like acupressure. So muscle in between your thumb and index finger, find that with your other uh-huh. thumb and index finger and just gently massage it. Uh-huh. Same thing. And just try to breathe with that. That can also be breath, which is really, really grounding. That's nice. I think I remember learning this one was good for headaches. Really? Yeah. Cause I think it is a, what is that? That pressure, that's a, a pressure, pressure point. point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that if you have a headache, if you do this, which matches what we are talking about, <laughs> if you're out here stressed and uh-huh. you have a headache, uh-huh. you've been fighting the fights, uh-huh. go ahead and rub that yep. little area. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, love those. Another, another intervention Um, So if you are into meditations, I know that sometimes people um, haven't started their meditation journey um, because it sounds scary, but promise it's not. Um, If you are into meditation, the kind of meditation that would be really helpful for eights is the type that's called a witness. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what a witness meditation is, is that um, I'm just going to be 
just exactly that word, a witness to my emotions, to the situation, to what's happening in my life. I'm just going to observe it. I'm going to just allow them to be, and I'm going to be witness to it as opposed to feeling like I have to fix it, change it, you know, correct it. I'm just going to experience it. And so in a witness meditation, you might do, let's just witness your body sensations. Let's just witness a situation that happened at work today. And we're just going to notice what that felt like, what happened for you, what you're doing. Um, Witnessing something. I mean, again, being a witness in the therapy room is a beautiful thing to be able to just witness change, witness healing. Um, when we can witness other things happening as opposed to feeling like I have to be the one driving it. <sighs> it's like a breath. It's like a breath. It's, and it, it, um, we benefit from being Absolutely. a witness to things. Absolutely. And so when we can be a witness to our own journey and to our own stuff, um, it allows us the ability to see things differently. So witness meditations, if you, if you are any, on any of the meditative apps, um, just in case you want to know headspace, calm insight timer, um, shine Peloton, look, look at the witness ones. Those are, those are good options. Or you can honestly Google witness meditation five minutes and there'll be things that come up. Very nice. I love that. And that's something that I'm going to practice that more, incorporate that more myself. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Lastly, this is um, a piece that we're going to try to continue to like thread in throughout the rest of the, the season and all of our um, explorations of, of the types is um, to be able to have the perspective of not just how all of this impacts us individually and maybe um, individually and like in our interpersonal relationships, but um, more communally. And again, shout out to Chi Chi for, for, for this idea because she does make sure she incorporates it into um, her book for each type. Um, but just this idea that we, whenever we kind of force ourselves into this um, singular narrative, so, you know, for eights, um, in order for me to feel like I have a sense of worth or value, um, that I have to be um, protect, like the protector. I have to be, I have to have this, this strength um, or I have to, I have to be the one who goes into action and makes wrongs right. Like when mm -hmm. we tend to force ourselves into this story that I had, that this is who I am and this is, um, it is what it is, that we, we end up having the same expectation of others. Mm -hmm. And so with that, we can try to not necessarily try because we're not really doing it on purpose, <laughs> but force them into this same singular narrative. Um, and so how that looks is, for example, with AIDS, if you see people who um, don't appear to be going into action to make things right when they're wrong, um, or if their truth doesn't necessarily line up with your truth, like you can have mm -hmm. a tendency to dismiss them, disregard them, not really have much capacity for them. Mm -hmm. um, and that, you know, that can be hurtful for you, for others. It can be, um, yeah, kind of divisive for all of us in our, our relationships and our community. So we want to be aware of that, um, that this this is not just for our own good as individuals for us to be more aware and grow and maybe even see 
growth and more connection in our interpersonal relationships, but just, you know, overall, um, this can be something that impacts, you know, how you interact with the cashier or um, a bus drive, like, like anybody, um, anybody, you're able to have more flexibility in how you see them and how you interact yeah. with them. So again, for eights, if they don't fit into this, you know, they don't look strong. And I think we did touch on this in the first season um, mm-hmm. because strength, it can be something that's so, 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 so important to eights if they see others that um, by their measure, um, by their analysis, um, they could be stronger. They have the capacity to do more than um, eights can be kind of dismissive of them. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, my mom um, says she... <laughs> classic uh, fit, it fits for what number she is that she would always say it takes all kinds takes all kinds in this world right um and so just that idea of like it takes all kinds and that everyone is going to look different and they're going to show up differently and not everyone's going to run into a burning building the way that an eight will um or set the building on fire like an eight will um <laughs> not everyone's gonna do that and that's okay right it takes all kinds um for this world to go around so yeah. yeah, that that remembrance mm-hmm. for for them and for us, all of us. Mm-hmm. That it both works both ways, right? You start mm-hmm. to have more grace to not be mm-hmm. the one, then you all of a sudden don't feel like you got to be the one all the time, or you mm-hmm. start to give yourself more permission to not always be the one, and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. you look around and like you can understand why they're not running in there. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Absolutely, so it's Absolutely. very it's very much connected. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's it for eights, right? So really using all of that information as a place of growth. Um, yes, that's the hope. Mm-hmm. Good job, friend. We did it. Good job. We did it. I hope that it felt not as scary as you thought it was going to feel. It did not feel. Yeah, you're right. It didn't. We hit our per usual. We hit our stride. I'm good. Now I'm ready to. I'm ready to get into the next one. So. All right. Well, then we will see and hear y'all on the next one. All right. See you later. Bye.